and we are back. Welcome into another episode of Chasing 1969, a New York Jets podcast. Today is Thursday, September 21st. Uh, in between the Jets' 30 to 10 defeat in Dallas, a few days before they go and take on the New England Patriots, we're going to break down some some just recap notes here from the Dallas game. Get into a fun little segment called. How many games do you deserve? Um, and then we'll preview the Jets game um, against the New England Patriots, trying to end that 17-game losing streak. Before we get to all that, before I bring Theodore in, make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore Chasing69. Same as the YouTube page. Teddy is at Teddy Huncho. I am at Spring Blake. Theodore, uh, you're, you know, a few days removed from the gross loss. We recorded the recap <laughs> pod. How, how are you feeling about the Jets and, and just life? Yeah. Yeah, life's fine, you know, same old working, doing my thing, but just living for football. That's what we're doing right now. Yeah. Um, in terms of the Jets, I will say I'm struggling a little bit for sure. It, yeah. It, you know, obviously we had the big win against the Bills, but it came with with the Aaron Rodgers stuff. So that was a pretty sad. We kind of had to get through that. And then, you know, to come out the way we did against this Cowboys team, just not what you were hoping for, not what you were looking forward to all week when you are getting excited for the game. Um, you know, and this feels like one of those classic weeks where like all of the Jets kind of like personalities, like like maybe not the the big talking heads, but kind of, you know, Jets Twitter and the guys I follow, like basically everyone's kind of trying to look through the rose colored glasses and and list out all the reasons why we lost 30 to 10 and why we shouldn't panic and like I think that stuff's all good but you know it's really just hitting it's like the whole world's making fun of the Jets I'm still believing in the Jets and just having to deal with that on a day-to-day basis and and I'm telling you like I am dying dying for them to beat this Patriots team this week like I, I want that so so bad and so I'm just in this weird spot where like if that doesn't happen I, I really am going to be just like fully crushed for this season um, but if it does happen, I, you know, it will open me up to, to get a little optimistic again and, and think we can be a little bit frisky as a team, but I will say I'm kind of on the brink right now in terms of how I feel about this Jets team, just cause it, it, it's been a roller coaster of a week. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because last year we played the schedule game very hard and we were like, uh, you got the AFC North to start off the season and then you got the tough divisional games and a lot of those teams, ended up being in the middle of the pack. You know, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Bengals were pretty good. The Browns, middle of the pack. Broncos were kind of a mess. The Packers didn't make the playoffs. So we really overestimated this early schedule. Meanwhile, this season, you know, it's the Bills. The Cowboys look like one of the best teams in the NFC. New England would be the one where I say, you know, it's it's more of just like that cursed opponent that you can never beat. But then yeah. you've also got the Chiefs and the Eagles coming up. So I think we can say that the schedule game – this time around definitely is a little bit more uh, pertinent than it was last yeah. year because it's like, oh, after this, we get the two defending Super Bowl right. champions I was just uh, with the say. Broncos in between. Um, so this is a stretch where things can hopefully get us feeling a little bit better, but also could really, you know, turn things into a mess the rest of the year. Right. Yeah. And it's one of those things where like, this is the get right game, you know, because we got the Chiefs coming up on Sunday Night Football next week with with the whole world watching again, you know. So it's just one of those uh, one of those weeks where, you know, it's the get right game. And, and if I was any other team in the league, 
I'd probably feel okay going against the Patriots. You know, I, I really do think the yeah. Patriots are like a middle of the pack team. Uh, you know, they have a good defense, but they're pretty pedestrian on offense. I don't think they do a whole ton, but it's just like, you know, I thought we should have beat the Patriots last year and we lost, we dropped both games to them. We know Bill Belichick's going to have a, a, a good plan. So it's just like, there's really no reason for me to just be like overly confident against the Patriots, even though I think, you know, our roster is probably better. Um, so yeah, it's just, I'm in, I'm in a very like, you know, we do this podcast, but at the end of the day, I'm just like a fan. And every week I just blindly am like, I hope the Jets can win, you yeah. know, and that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm just really hoping the Jets can win and, you know, we'll go from there. But, but I will say that, that this, this week feels very important to just getting the season back in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that we are going to talk about as well, too, that, that, um, you know, adjustments we'd like to see the Jets make things like that as we gear up towards uh, the game against the Patriots but before we get into that just a few news and notes around here one thing that we didn't get to touch on at the end of uh, last Thursday's episode and we didn't talk about it Sunday as well too was we did hear the first public interview uh, from Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show and uh, you know I think the big takeaway is that it wasn't completely ruled out of question that uh, Aaron Rodgers could return this season. Rodgers' big quote uh, that I think everybody took away from was, give me the doubts, give me the timetables, give me all the things that you think can, should, or will happen, because all I need is that one little extra percent of inspiration. That's all I need. So give me your doubts, give me your prognostications, then watch what I do. Um, and going into the specifics of the surgery, it does seem like there is a chance, a very slim and outside chance um, that, you know, I think most people are looking at Cam Akers recent surgery where he returned in about five or so months from a torn Achilles. Um, so when you hear that, when you read it as the fan perspective, are you just like, oh, my God, please don't give me this hope? Or are you very mature in the sense where you're like, I'll let that affect me in January if it's coming to the table? Like, where do you stand? Yeah. Yeah, definitely the latter there. I mean, I, I, it's good to hear that there is at least like some type of plan, you know, and some type of, we've been hearing kind of about these improved surgeries that can in increase or decrease uh, recovery time. So like, that's awesome that that's the case. I'm, I'm not getting going to get like overly hyped about the postseason. I, I think we need to number one, get there first. And also, you know, I would kind of lean to where, I'm going to doubt that until, you know, we start getting into November and December. And then if you kind of start hearing things about his recovery that seem positive, then maybe buy in a little, but you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to be too overly hopeful there for Aaron Rodgers to do something no one's ever done before, you yeah. know? Um, right. But I do think it paints a good picture for next season. You know, it, it seems like he wants to come back, which was the immediate question when a lot of people, um, you know, found out about it, which would be awesome news if we got to have Aaron Rodgers next year. And, uh, you know, good for him. I mean, it, he seems like he's got that drive and that fire. So, so you know, hopefully. But I'm not going to get overly excited about, you know, maybe he'll be here for the playoffs when right. we just lost 30 to 10. <laughs> yeah, to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, no, great point. I think the biggest takeaway for me as well, too, was like, oh, if this is sort of the – the early end of the timetable, the early end of the spectrum that makes me feel really good about the start of the 2024 season, because there is no chance that I believe that um, I, I really don't believe that he was just going to call it after this year um, yeah. hurt or not hurt. So I think if anything, 
I feel great about the 2024 season with him being back under center and giving this another go around. Um, but yeah, I mean, even if you're playing the five month game or whatever it would have to be, I mean, the Jets would have to be pretty far along and pretty strong as a as a team to give him that chance. So um, I think it it is wishful thinking, but it was nice to to hear in his first public speaking that there is a uh, a glimmer of of somewhat hope for him. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then along with that, I guess the other news quarterback related is that the Jets will not be bringing in another quarterback this week. Um, on Sunday, I had it. I felt pretty strongly uh, based on what I had read from Diana Rossini that Colt McCoy was going to be making a decision on where he was going to sign at some point this week. Um, there has been no news or traction of where he is going to go. Um, so, you know, there is still that shot that maybe Colt McCoy would be the guy, you know, beyond this week. Um, but it was surprising to see that, uh, you know, they're not doing it uh, this time around either. What were your thoughts on the Jets not bringing in a quarterback this week? Yeah, I think I said on a recap pod, um, you know, that I kind of expected it to happen this week. Yeah. Uh, you know, I guess I'm not overly surprised because like we've kind of said, despite what it may look like when you when you just look at the box score, it, it didn't really seem like Zach Wilson was the reason that we lost that game. You know, we were out of that game kind of before Zach Wilson started throwing, you know, the bad interceptions and whatnot. Um, so I guess not overly surprised. I think eventually, you know, most likely it will happen. But if you can kind of start to see at least just, you know, almost average quarterback play from Zach Wilson, where it doesn't seem like he's going to be on the brink of getting benched, you right. know, then it won't surprise me if, you know, Tim Boyle is just the backup. I mean, he was Aaron Rodgers backup for however many years, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I'm slightly surprised, but at the same time, this kind of seems like what the Jets plan is. And like, we have kind of been saying, like, despite what happened last week, it was kind of just this shit storm of all these things. Like, uh, let's see what happens, you know, against the Patriots this week. I think even before last week, we kind of said, like, let's give Zach Wilson a couple games, see how he looks, and then we'll kind of move mm -hmm. forward from there. Um, so that kind of seems to be what the Jets' plan is. Yeah, and and, and even to echo Sala for a, a week plus now is that a guy brought in <clears> will <throat> serve as either the third quarterback or a backup to Zach Wilson. Right. So, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think – I think it makes a little bit more sense if in a week or two you bring in a guy and you give Zach another month or so after that. And then if things are really, really bad, but the team is still within an earshot of, of sniffing a 500 record or pushing for a wild card spot, go right ahead. But I, I would also think if things start to get bad for the Jets and say that they are losing football team again this year, I don't get the point and then What's the point yeah. ditching off of Zach Wilson again, like just let him play out the season at that point, try and get him more reps out there. Um, you know, there's some other, other injury stuff that we, I guess, can be more of like a preview for, for Jets Patriots. Um, but if we want to switch now to some final thoughts, I guess, with the, the Cowboys game, um, any overall thoughts before we get into our, how many games segment we've got here, or, uh, um, you feel pretty, feel pretty wrapped up on that. You know, I, I, I think. Uh, for Jets fans and a lot of Jets media, the story has been pretty consistent with how people are kind of like approaching this Cowboys loss. And it was obviously really, really ugly. Um, and there was a ton of things that you could point to and blame. Um, I guess my final thought 
is really just like that Cowboys team was a hell of a team. And we clearly came in, you know, for whatever reason, underprepared, you know, weren't, weren't making the plays we needed to make. Um, and they just destroyed us. But it was one of those games that just kind of like never really felt like we were able to get the ball rolling. Um, so to me, really, it's it's, uh, you know, we got waxed. The whole team got waxed and you kind of just have to move on. And like we've been saying with everything, like if we kind of continue to see these same issues against the Patriots and as the season moves forward, then I'll start to panic. But like one blowout loss isn't going to kind of be my breaking point yet, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Um, so let's, let's, let's focus on Zach specifically. I think we're going to go name by name and just, the whole point is how many games are we going to let you go out there and give us hope and maybe not even give us hope, but how many games do you deserve to, to be given the chance before to continue it's time to, to put someone else out exactly there. before, before we switch over and let's start with the quarterback. Let's get it out of the way. Zach Wilson on this year so far. And it's, you know, almost two full games to this point, although just one start, he's completing 54% of his passes right around his average for his career, which still is really, really, really fucking bad. Um, <laughs> two touchdowns with four picks. His success, uh, passing success rate is around 34%, a little bit lower than his career average. Um, yards per attempt at 6.5, right around his career average. Uh, quarterback rating, QBR, pretty low compared to where he was in his rookie and sophomore seasons. But, um, you know, like we said about the Dallas Cowboys game, um, when he started having to push and make more mistakes is when the game was getting out of hand and he had to test the defense. He had to try and break off more of those plays. So I, I will cut him some slack on that. But as you look ahead towards the, you know, next few games or the next month, Patriots, Chiefs, Broncos, Jets, Giants, Chargers, how far along are you? We don't uh, play the Jets, but the uh, Giants, sorry, Giants. No, yeah. Oh, I said Jets. Yeah. <laughs> Patriots, Chiefs, Broncos, Eagles, Giants, Chargers. Jesus. That's the next six right there. Uh Theodore. What what kind of leash are you giving him here? Yeah, I mean, like we kind of just said, four right now. Um, I think a pretty decent one. I think if you look at like you just read off the numbers about completion percentage and QB rating. Um if you had taken the first six quarters of Zach Wilson's play this this season, you know, and did that then if his rating would have been a hell of a lot higher than his than his average, his completion percentage would have been a hell of a lot higher than his average. Um obviously the the way that and he would have had only had the one interception, you know. Obviously the way that the second half happened against the Cowboys, everything kind of fell apart. And it's a little funny like I'm looking at the box score here, he's 12 of 27 and like the whole narrative of the week has been like the Jets didn't run the ball at all. Like, how are they? And it's like, well, we also only had 12 completions. So, so it was one of those games for sure. Yeah. Um, Leash. I, I, it really depends. Like if Zach comes out and plays the way he played in the first half of this Cowboys game, you know, which isn't anything exciting, but it's just kind of getting it done, like doing enough, making the easy completions. Um, I feel like it's not going to be like a, a panic. Like we need to get this guy out of here. But if he starts to really play like he did last season, you know, where he's missing the accuracy, you know, like a lot of just like short throws being missed and a lot of forced turnovers like he had last game in the second half, I think like 
I mean, if he has a bad game against the Patriots, the the fan base is going to be, you know what I mean? Like we can say what we want now, but really if he has a bad game against the Patriots, it's going to start coming for him pretty hard, you know, bad. And then I think maybe he has one more game, you know, especially like our week four game is Sunday night football against the chiefs against the defending Super Bowl champions, you know, and what we know about primetime games we've lived it because of how many terrible ones we've had but when there's a primetime game everyone's watching the whole country's watching and whatever you put out there matters just a little bit more to the general public and to everyone because of how much in the spotlight it is and if zach wilson goes out and has a bad game against the patriots and the jets decide to roll with him one more week and then he has a bad game against the chiefs i you know what i mean like put Colt McCoy in, put anyone but Zach Wilson. Like, think about how we felt about Zach Wilson last year. I think it was after the Patriots game where it was 10 to 3. And it was just kind of like, it's too much. Like, we we need to move on, you know? And while maybe his leash has gotten slightly longer, it has – we just did this last year where we hoped and hoped and hoped, and then he just continued to be bad, you know? So I'm going to give him this game to – really solidify like hey i have improved i'm not going to miss the easy throws i'm not going to start turning the ball over i'm going to be able to manage the game and move the ball a little bit but really i'm giving this guy one one and a half games before it's really time to panic yeah i mean i the if if the stat line keeps up where it's at right now if you're telling me i'm only going to get just a little bit above half of his passes completed and i'm going to get one touchdown to every two interceptions especially considering the fact that the patriots and then a primetime game is coming up um we shouldn't get through the end of september without you know wanting to make a switch there in the early parts of october because at that point the season could still be intact you know it's not like you yeah, know if sitting you're one there and say three. say one and three that that's easy to turn around i think out of the last seven out of the last 10 years there's been a team that started zero and two and has made the playoffs and you know not to play the schedule game but when you've got the texans at the end of the year and you know the the commanders potentially or the falcons like you can start to just give yourself reasons to buy into hope at the end of the year so yeah i'm, I'm of the same mindset if it turns into we pull out a win in new england and it, maybe it's not ugly but it's a win and then we go in and we you know lose valiantly to the chiefs he's earned himself a, another right. good month or so and then we can go after that but yeah I, I am on the same page with you at least for the current state that the jets are in it's got to be new england kansas city if the both of those go terribly wrong a change has to be made because i would think not even just the fan base but the roster as well is gonna you know they can only defend zach for so long and i know right. they all came to his defense the coaching staff the players garrett wilson they came to his defense um but that that can only go on for so long Right. And like we as Jets fans and and what I think of a lot of like the Jets based media has kind of been trying to preach this week has been like the reason for the 30 10 loss for a while wasn't Zach Wilson's fault. You know, obviously, I keep saying this, like things did fall apart at the end and he started kind of playing the way he was last year. But at the beginning, it did kind of look like he was completing passes and making those short throws that he just truly could not make last year. Um And it's just one of those things where like it also depends on how well the rest of the team plays, because if 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 we're able to kind of like dink, like, you know, garbage our way through and get some wins similar to how we were kind of rolling with Zach Wilson last year when he was five and out, you know, it's like 
yeah, Zach didn't play that well, but he played well enough for us to get the W, you know, with the defense and the running game. Like, if we can start doing that, it does kind of lengthen his leash. But Mm -hmm. if there's the combination of we're losing and Zach Wilson is looking terrible, it's like a bad game from Zach Wilson this week will will cause a a big stir. And, you know, again, like we all are trying to defend him this week, but that all gets thrown out the window if he doesn't look good against the Patriots because at the end of the day, it's like, sure, I want to defend the dude. I think he played a lot better than his stats show. But he was 12 for 27 with three tu- with three interceptions, you know, and only one touchdown. Like, it's just not good enough. So, yeah, we'll I mean, see. and we we had plenty of enough games last year to really show us right. how we feel about Zach Wilson against doing. And like, if you come out, and it's another nine for 22 for 77 yards from Zach. I think people are going to go. Right. And it's crazy. one of those things like after we beat the Bills, everyone's like, remember, Zach was five and oh last year before Brees got injured. And it's like, sure, that's great. But look at the bills game it's like we had four turnovers like yep. the, the the bills helped us win that game a lot so we right. can kind of try to be optimistic but once the losses and the bad stats start coming you know that's what happens yeah all right well at least we're on the same page there uh with zach and i feel like it's a it's a surprisingly somewhat positive one you know it, that could change by the time that we speak again next week um but yeah, let's we're hoping things- he comes out and looks good and yeah and- buys himself a couple more games exactly exactly uh let's move along to the backfield because i think this has been another uh, big point of contention this week is taking a look at the workload for all of the likes of Brees hall dalvin cook and michael carter uh Brees, you know obviously on sunday said he wanted the ball more tweeted out the football emoji four times and then deleted it uh, the coaching staff has been very strong held on the fact that they are ramping him back up slowly but surely um, and in a, in the course of a 17 game season, I understand that. And I, but I also understand his frustrations knowing how dynamic of a player he is. Um, but then all the meanwhile, you are getting not ideal play out of Dalvin cook, you know, in terms of just a pure, you know, run grade from PFF, he ranks 44. Uh, that's behind the likes of, you know, names like Jarek McKinnon or Justice Hill or Samaje Pirine. And, uh, you know, the, the stats so far have been very lackluster, um, a little bit fine in the receiving game. But then again, as well, too, this is another situation where I think as as a room as a whole, they haven't been getting a ton of opportunity. So you also have to take that into account. Uh, what have you kind of gathered from what you've seen from the running back room and then specifically Dalvin in regard to his role as, uh, you know, trying to essentially be the lead back while not being maybe the best on the depth chart. Yeah. um, To touch on the running back room as a whole, uh, I definitely understand like the frustration about, uh, you know, you can't just completely come away from running the football and you, you know, Brees Hall is like, like the big thing is like, Brees Hall should never only be getting four touches in a game, right? Like, but I do also see the side of why there wasn't a whole ton of rushing attempts last week. You know, like it it was one of those games where we were never on the field and then we'd go out there for three plays and then we'd be off the field again. And then by the time that it was the second half, we were trying to like get back in this game. But even those drives were all mostly like, two to three to four play drives, you know, like, and um, so it's one of those things where like, it sucks that it happened. I 100% agree. Like we should never have a game where Brees Hall only gets four carries, but 
like Dalvin Cook also only had four carries. You know, like it wasn't like wasn't like well, we're just not giving Brees the ball. It was just the game got out of our hands last week. Um, to touch on Dalvin Cook specifically, uh, hasn't been pretty. You know, against the Bills, he had 13 rushes for 33 yards, two and a half yards of carry. Um, against the Cowboys, he had four rushes for seven yards, um, 1.8 yards of carry. Um, you know, when we signed Dalvin Cook, I definitely like you knew he wasn't going to be the explosive player that he was two years ago. Um, but obviously, you're hoping he's a little better. I definitely think it, it you know, the, the, the segment that we're doing is how many games, right? And so at the end of the day, like we're two weeks into the season. Brees has looked good. We're ramping him back up. Like, I don't think it's really a necessary story just because it's like, well, we're going to play Brees more anyway. Brees is going right. to be the more dynamic player. Very and hopefully fair. that opens up some stuff for Dalvin Cook. But I mean, he really has just been like very, very inefficient. Um, so I don't really know. Like, I, I don't think I don't think we're going to be getting away from Dalvin Cook uh really like I, I don't see a world where all of a sudden like we start using Michael Carter way more even though that did kind of happen last week um is that I mean what I guess where do you stand I don't really know what to think about Dalvin Cook I'm almost where I come with Dalvin is I I almost if the legs aren't all that fresh and they don't seem like they are I would want to get Michael Carter on the field Maybe at at maybe at an even clip with the two of them, and that's more of just like if we don't have a hot hand that is ready to be the hot hand for a full game, let's just throw out different guys again and again and again. Right. There's only so much that you can take with last game when they're not running the football at all. But you know, it'll be it'll be super interesting to see what the game plan looks like against New England because I think they should be running the football, especially to the right side. And we'll continue that conversation a few more times today, but. If you are worried up about Brees's, you know, workload, you're you signed Alvin Cook, so you're going to put him in there. But if if he's not giving you the juice, you know, on a, what is it, a, a 2.4 yards per attempt so far this season, um, and a success yeah. rate of, you know, 35.3, I'd like to see a few more carries than just three on the season from Michael Carter, because even he's turned those three carries into 14 yards, you know, 4.7, I'd take that. So I just, you know, it's small sample sizes. So this is the toughest one to gauge necessarily, yeah. especially because he's a new addition to the team and we don't have like last year to look back on and, you know, crazy expectations, but I would like to at least see a healthier rotation and maybe just give Michael a few more snaps out there. Yeah, I, I, I think that makes sense. And I, I think that will start to happen. I do. I think Dalvin will start to look better than he has. You know, he did look Late good addition. in the passing game in week one. Late addition um, to the team, too. Like, he's still getting right. into the group and here. Like, we're talking about, like, their yards per carry and stuff. It's like, last game, Brees was four for nine, 2.3 yards a carry. Dalvin was four for – like, you watch that game. That was another thing where it's like, people are so mad that we weren't running the ball but we would run the ball and we would lose four yards, you know, yeah. like, and they'd meet us like their defensive line just destroyed our offensive line. Yeah. Um, I, so it it's, it's just like Brees looked more explosive, but he didn't have really better results against the Cowboys. You know what I'm saying? So it's just right. one of those things where like, we kind of have to let it play out. Um, but you know, the point stands like Dalvin cook is not three years ago, Dalvin cook, you know, mm -hmm. he's just not. And that's why I think it's important that Brees Hall 
gets himself back and really is the king of this backfield because he's just the most explosive, better player. Um, yeah. But I, I do think I, Dalvin Cook will start to look better. I think that's a tough one to really gauge too much on because we haven't had much of a chance. Like you said, in the Dallas game, I think the bigger conversation as to why the run game struggled to get going was different parts of the run blocking. Um, and that's where I think we can take some of these next things is, is to take a look at, at a guy like Dwayne Brown on the left side there. Um, we'll talk Lakin Tomlinson as well, too, and at left guard. And then we'll talk, you know, the the blocking skills of CJ Ozama, the the lacking blocking skills, <laughs> the, the non-existent blocking skills of CJ Ozama. So let's start with Dwayne Brown first. Um, you know, big, I, I think the quote today from Robert Sala, he says he thinks Dwayne Brown is fine, thought he played well against the Bills, and that Micah Parsons is just a difficult matchup and Brown will be fine moving forward. Um, doesn't seem imminent that there will be any changes moving forward, but um you know, an old left tackle, um, you know, someone that also didn't have much of a preseason. So kind of like with Dalvin, you could say he's ramping back up into regular season mode. Give me your thoughts there on Dwayne Brown. How many, how many games are you really going to let him continue this level of play? Cause it's not been pretty. Yeah. This is another interesting one just because of that matchup with Micah Parsons and the Cowboys. Um, you know, I'd say like, at the level of play that he was, I think probably like two more games, you know, like maybe he gets one more pass in the Patriots game and then the chief games come. And then if it still is just looking horrible, then, um, then it's time to kind of try to figure something out, put in the backup, move Makai over and put someone at right, like do something like that. I will say with Dwayne, I am a little more inclined to give that leeway just because he wasn't around in camp much. Yep. You know, and last year he he really was awesome last year. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm more inclined to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt, especially like <laughs> I think it is kind of funny when it's like Dwayne Brown looked so bad against the Cowboys. And it's like, well, yeah, like he had Micah Parsons just destroying him the whole game. And that sucks. You would want your left tackle to be better. But it's also like it's Micah Parsons. Um so, yeah, I, I give him some leeway, but it's like if he continues to just be terrible, they're going to have to make a move eventually in the next couple. Right. Of I almost think of the sense as well. I agree with you. I don't I think he should almost be looped in with with Dalvin because not, you know, he was here last year. So he does have that extra leeway in there, but didn't have much of a camp still ramping up on the older side for their position. And really look. Old. And look, to be the oldest, you know, one of the oldest, I think he is the oldest left tackle in football. And to just have to go up against Micah Parsons, like, I guess we could have known yeah. it wasn't going to be pretty. I think the bigger one here is we just move one position inside and we yep. take a look at Lake and Tomlinson. Um, he has been one of the more frust uh, frustrating free agent signings I can remember of, of just the last few years, especially of this Joe Douglas era, because he was given a hefty contract and he did move Elijah Vera Tucker over to right guard. And, uh, so far this season, you know, the Jets offensive line is last in the league in pass block win rate. Uh, they're 19th in the league in run block win rate. And then Lakin specifically um, in run block win rate is 66th out of 69 guards. Um, his play has not was not good last year. There were a couple stretches where I thought it was all right. And then so far this season, it has not been pretty. So give me your thoughts here on on the uh, the Jets. Yeah, left guard. This one's tough. I mean, la last season was a bad, bad year from Lake and Tomlinson after I don't think it was two years ago, but I think three years ago he was a pro bowler. Yep. Um, you know, all off season, I was kind of of the mind of like, hey, 
I'm going to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. He's a veteran. It'll be his second year here. I think he's going to be able to improve. You know, I'm honestly at the point, like I'm ready to bench this guy now, Um, you know, and I don't know, maybe that's off base, but I don't really think so. I wouldn't hate seeing them try to throw Tipman at the, out there at guard and just see how he looks, see what his reps are. Cause I mean, Lakin has just been terrible through two games just, um, and obviously you give him, you know, that he's going against Micah Parsons sometime and whatnot, but like he has just been missing blocks, been just completely getting destroyed in, in both the run game and the pass game. We haven't really been able to run the ball successfully to the left side at all. Um, so yeah, I mean, how many games? I'm I'm ready. One more, zero. I don't know. We're ready to make a switch now. I'm on the same page. This would be the first one I'd change, and 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 the move would be Tipman in there at left guard. Um, I I think if you're doing that, then you're also obviously keeping McGovern there at center, and that's not as something that I think is as atrocious, and that we need to spend too much time on compared to the other two offensive linemen. Has it been great. No, it's been Connor McGovern. I think it's just. I think it's just. Yeah, <laughs> we we know what we're getting out of our center. Jets right fans now. have been trying to get Connor McGovern benched for three years now, and it's just like. I'm I'm kind of just like like yes he's not the best center in the world but I don't really think he's the worst center in the world and I think that you know I'm not an offensive line genius by any means and I haven't watched every snap completely focused on the offensive line but I would say like I'm much more worried about Lakin than I am about McGovern um and I'd be more I would like if I had to rank who I would want to take out of these three guys I would say Lakin first, then probably McGovern, then probably Dwayne. Yep. Um, I'd go the same way. So, and I think more of that comes into positional depth as well, too. Right. Because if we are moving Makai to left tackle, then we're either moving AVT to right tackle, and that's another position change for him, or we're bringing up one of our bench tackles, a Billy Turner or right. Max Mitchell, and that also isn't as good, too. So you always have to weigh what are the other options yep. there. Right now, one of our best options on the bench is an interior guy, so you have to take out – one of McGovern or Lakin, and Lakin has been significantly worse so far this season. The Connor McGovern had the quote of the day in his post-game press conference. He said the Jets felt like they were one block away on every run. And what he meant by that is at least <laughs> one person didn't do their job every time they tried running the ball. And and That's most tough. of that was Lakin. And like it yeah. was. You know, Dwayne was definitely, you know, had some responsibilities there as well, too. But there were some plays where Lakin is just like looking around or he blocks in his own teammate. It's some of the film from that is just atrocious there. So, yeah, I'm on the same page. I think it'll, this is going to be what's really interesting. And and there's one other guy that I think doesn't deserve it as much, but we're going to talk about him in a little too. But it's, you know, a lot of these guys, it's a seniority thing or a payday thing where I think, you know, as a GM or a head coach, if you've stuck your you know hand out to bring in these guys and you pay them big money, you want them to do well because that reflects your job as well. Um, but in certain cases for Lake and Tomlinson, like, cool, you were a pro bowler three years ago and we gave you a lot of money. You've been the worst offensive lineman for this team over the last, you know, 20 games. Um, yeah. And we have a young guy who should come in here and push for your job. So this is going to teach us a lot about Sala and, and Douglas in terms of how they view the decision that they made because they chose to bring a couple of these guys in here. So Lakin being, I think the one that stands out the most. So he definitely has the shortest leash of these guys we were going on. I'd love to see the change before new England, but I think it's something that we should hope to see. 
I was going to say for the Kansas City game, but do you really want to put Tipman out there in his first right. game having to be matched up against Chris Jones all day? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's kind of tough. And even like this Patriots game, it's like, are you really going to put like the rookie center out there at guard to just let Bill Belichick just like completely Heck fuck with him. his mind, you know? And like, and then you got the Eagles defensive line. The Broncos so, D line isn't terrible. I'd put him out there for the Broncos as a tune up, I'd say. But then yeah, we have to watch I mean, two more games of Lakin, and that just sucks. It just sucks. Yeah. We, we essentially right now cannot run the football to the left side of the offensive line. It sucks. I know. And that's what is kind of frustrating, like having AVT as a left guard, you know, who's currently playing right guard because we brought in Lakin. You know, it's like part of me just wants to allow our best lineman to be our less, best lineman and line up yep. at left guard, you know, and both. Well, I the- guess we'll just kind of see. But Lake, that's the thing with Lakin is like, I've tried to hold out hope for, you know, how what 18 games or 20 19 games I think it's been and well, it's that's just like what gets so frustrating about Salah at times is because like we heard him say for like 6 months like Makai go out there and earn the job go out there and earn the job. Lakin has not like Lakin earned the job 3 years ago in San Francisco. Yeah. He has not earned the job since he stepped here in New York. Like he just yeah. hasn't. Yeah. And last year you could say they didn't have a ton of great options of depth especially when AVT went down but this year if there's a guy I that's do pushing think, for it yeah i think tipman is definitely there and i think a big story with tipman has been like you know you might not necessarily want to throw him in at center like it's better to just get reps at guard and kind of feel an nfl game before you have to have the responsibility of a center but i also think wes schweitzer i might not be saying his name perfectly yeah, but wes i think that's yeah. someone to watch you know he had a decent preseason he has center experience he has guard experience like i wouldn't hate getting him in there as well if you needed to switch up multiple positions. You know what I mean? Here's the ultimate adjustment. Say that we want to change everything on this left side here. It's moving Makai to left. It's putting um, it's putting Tipman in at left guard. Keep McGovern out there at center. Schweitzer at right guard. And then AVT at right tackle. It's, it's young. It's exciting. Outside of really yeah. the center right guard duo. But I would also say if you're arguing positional value, center and right guard are probably the two of the least important, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, positional importance along the offensive line. So that's where I wouldn't really put too much into it. It just wouldn't make me feel good to be benching three of the guys that you went into the season with saying, these are the best, these are our best options. For sure. You know what I For mean? Sure. So I think, yeah, I, I that's, don't think this, there will be a, changes that's a as extreme. That's a doomsday week 10 yeah. season's done. Right. And if that happened, it would happen over the course of multiple weeks, you know, it'd yes. be like, well, let's make this move this week. Let's make this move this week. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, this offensive line needs to play a lot better. I, I don't think it was terrible as a whole against the bills, but I mean, the left side still didn't look good. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll see, but, but out of the three, like we've said, Lakin, I think it is really, really on the ice. Yep. Or at least another should. guy, another guy on thin ice, probably the last guy we'll talk about offensively. Uh, tight end CJ Uzoma and this is another name where like I was saying with Tomlinson it's a signing you bring him in a veteran trying to add some leadership elements to this Um, he has he has not been living up to the role of of a a starting caliber tight end for the Jets Um, you know if you take a look at position grades he is all the way down as the oh where is he even on here 
the 53rd ranked tight end um, in the league right now. If you wanted to go into run blocking grades, I think it might even surprisingly be a little bit better. So that really just shows you that he's even just as bad right now. Uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's a little bit better middle of the pack in terms of run blocking grades, but overall just a, a, disappointment of a, a a start to his tenure with the Jets now and start that has been a year and a half um this was a guy that when you looked at the tight end room when they signed him and um uh Conklin. Tyler Conklin last year you were like or two off seasons ago now you were like okay it was almost going to be the guy but Conklin's the high upside and we're starting to definitely feel like you know it's definitely you know Conklin is the number one here but You've got a run blocking tight end machine in Jeremy Ruckert sitting behind Uzoma. And I just think that the further we get along to the season, we need to see him out on the field so much more than Uzoma. Yeah. This has been a, a hot button topic for Jets fans over the past two weeks. Um, I mean, Uzoma is out there just getting absolutely destroyed in the run blocking game. Like just plays getting completely blown up because he's getting thrown to the side. Um this is one I think we're going to see this change this week. I think Robert Sala has heard the noise and I'm sure he's watched the film. Um, and, you know, Jeremy Ruckert's ability to block alone should be putting him out there in run situations. And then like in pass situations like Conklin, you know, I don't know much about Rucker as a pass catching tight end. That's not why we we drafted him, you know, to catch passes. You drafted him mostly because of his ability to block. But you know, you're seeing like CJ Uzama line up out wide and just like lumbering around. And, you know, I don't even know if he has any receptions on the year. He has just really not looked good. And Rucker, Rucker and Conklin both are just like more explosive, younger options who have both shown to be better in run blocking and are both more explosive in the past game, or at least Conklin is. So, you know, I can't remember if I just said this, but Salah did come out and say, you know, I, either yesterday or the day before in a press conference that, you know, you're going to start seeing Ruckert out there. He's deserved, he's earned his reps, you know? And, and I think if you watch the film, it's like, he's doing so much better than Uzama. He's going to give us a much better chance to be able to run the ball. Um, so this is one where we're talking about how many games, you know, I'm sure Uzama will still have some type of role. I'm sure he'll so still get some snaps, you know, game to game but you should start to see his counts go down, you know, opposite of Rucker getting a lot more play just because he has continuously shown himself through preseason and the first two games, like this guy can run block, you know? Yep. I, he almost, he's lumped in and, and now we're kind of just going back and forth with the guys we've already talked about. He lumps in with Lakin where the change should be made now, but I do believe that we'll get this change before we get the Lakin change. And it sounds like we'll get it even going in this week. Um, I mean, the amount of times even in that Bills game that you were watching just the success rate, I think it was there were 15 times that the Jets, or no, not 15, was it 15 in week one, where they were running to the right side and it was Mackay, AVT, and Ruckert blocking at tight end. And it was just, it was the recipe for success. Those three just had it going, provided a lot of great holes in the second and mid uh, levels there for the defense. And yeah, I just, I, I think you're watching some of the older players on this team get a little bit past their primes. And Uzoma was never the greatest tight end in the world. And he was a great veteran addition to a team that needed some maturity last year. Uh, but much like Lakin, uh, their time should should be running up here in terms of just like a, yeah. a lead role on this offense. And Uzoma, he's a great leader, you know, right. like he he does wonders for this. He's a guy you want on the team. Just right. Yeah. But it, it, at the end of the day, you know, 
we need to see Jeremy Ruckert out there blocking. And, and that is just a fact. And Tyler Conklin, you know, I confirmed CJ Uzama has no receptions on the year. Tyler Conklin, even last year, even throughout their whole careers, has been more of kind of that elite, not elite, but much better receiving option. Um, so, yeah, I think this is one. Look for it this week because I think you're going to be seeing a lot less Uzama. Yep. So, uh, Teddy, I, you know, it, it's no surprise that almost all of our, you know, adjustments came on the offensive side. There is one name defensively that I do want us to mention before we get a surprise one from you that I'm going to correctly guess before you bring it up. And then we're going to go in and preview the uh, the, the Jets-Patriots game. Um, Carl Lawson. So, uh, was held out week one um, and mostly was because it was going to be a short week. They wanted to make sure that in his rehab process, they weren't rushing things. They bring him out there against Dallas. Um, they make Will McDonald inactive because of it more so. And the reasoning for that was they were expecting a heavy run game. Carl Lawson is definitely more of a run blocking edge than a guy that is going to be, you know, your sack getter, like a, like a Will McDonald really is a pass rush specialist. Um, and Carl Lawson wasn't, wasn't that strong here. You know, obviously it's a good Dallas line, but I think you said you had it before that he had, he won was, 0%. Yes. He had 13 pass rush snaps and he had his, you know, he didn't have a win basically on his one-on-one. So he had a 0% win rate in his 13 pass rush snaps, which that is, is, you know, worrisome. Like, and again, obviously this Dallas team has a great offensive line, a great left tackle. Um, but two years ago, or was it three years ago at this point? Um, Cause he did have the year that he was injured. So yeah, I think it was three years ago when we brought him in. Like the reason we brought in Carl Lawson was because of his ability to win, you know, one on one on 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 a left tackle and his ability to have a high win rate. And even though the sacks weren't there, he was able to kind of just continuously win and win and win. Um, and that didn't happen. And, and really, in both of these games, you know, in the Bills game, the D line played great as a whole. But I do think the one kind of disappointment was on that right side of the defense, left side of the offense, we were really having a hard time setting the edge. Um, it was just one of those things where it seemed like Dak and Josh Allen both were able to escape to their left time and time and time again and just get outside, which is exactly what we don't want. You know, we want to be able to have this elite edge presence that, you know, forces the quarterback to not be able to scramble and, and extend plays and run for first downs and things like that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this one. My thing with Carl Lawson is I'm always going to kind of give you the benefit of the doubt when it's like your first game back. I do think Carl Lawson has been a good player for us. He was a good player last year. Um, maybe not the elite player we hoped he'd be, but I think he's a solid edge, you know, a solid NFL starter. Um, so for me, I don't really have like, uh, how many games before I want to see this guy benched, maybe, you know, don't have Will McDonald inactive again and, and give him some more reps where he can come in and off the field and stuff. But, you know, I'm not like panicked and saying like, let's bench, bench Carl Lawson. That's my biggest point to it is don't have Will McDonald inactive. Don't have your first round pick inactive. I know it happened last year with Jermaine for a game there early on as well too, but the Jets defensive line is good enough. <laughs> at edge in terms of run stoppers i mean you know so far guys with higher grades and obviously they have a second game in there as well too but john franklin myers higher run uh defense grade you've got uh the the best one on the team so far uh bryce huff has been great against the run this year has been great yep. overall by the way just just so you know right now bryce huff 
um, is ranked inside the top 15 edge rushers in the league yeah. in terms of and just overall pass that, run. You know, like, he's been watching great. the games. Yeah. So you've got Bryce Huff, you've got John Franklin Myers as well, too, who holds up his own against the run on the outside. So, you know, I just think we're at a point where we don't need to go out of our way to make other guys inactive because of Carl Lawson's, you know, run stopping ability. I would say that we've got enough guys that can do that and enough guys that can go and get them, you know, get the quarterback in the passing game where I think we just, we just change up the snap counts a little bit. We, the play, the snap percentages can fluctuate. You've got enough guys there. It's not a leash of like, this dude needs to be benched because like you said, he was a good player for the Jets. He wasn't great, but he was a good one. And, and much like, Dalvin Cook and much like Dwayne Brown, they did not have the camp and the full time to really get things going. And it was just one game, but it is something that we should be keeping an eye on over the next few games. Um, Patriots banged up against the, at the offensive line right now, they might be healthier come game time, but um, you know, take advantage of that opportunity or show up against the great offensive lines of Kansas city, new England, take advantage of Denver in the next month. Um, it's, it's just something that it's not as desperate as Lakin. It's not as desperate as CJ, but it's something to keep an eye on because there are clearly enough guys in this edge room that deserve opportunities. And I'd hate to see Will McDonald continue to not get the opportunity to go out there and make an impact on the game because we have a guy that maybe is a, a little bit past his prime at, at the edge position. Yeah. And it is, po- I mean, he's getting older. It, it, it is possible Dude. that he had, he is, uh, what's the word I'm like, regressing in his talent levels. It's, it's funny because, I mean, the, the last few names that we've just been talking about, it's a lot of Joe Douglas free agent signings. And, oh, and then, yeah. You know, you got Corey Davis, who's off there, retired. But we just talk about Lakin, Uzoma, Carl well, Lawson. It's tough. Yeah, and like real, you know, like we're talking about these names, you know, Carl Lawson is in the last year of his deal. CJ Uzoma's in the last year of his deal. Lakin Tomlinson's in the last year of his deal. I think Dwayne Brown's on a one-year deal. Yeah. Like, you know it's possible a lot of these guys age out this year and we don't bring a lot of them back. Um, You know, so that's why it's kind of important to see because like, like Blake just said, you know, like if Carl Lawson's not out there getting wins, we have John Franklin Myers and Bryce Huff and Will McDonald and Jermaine Johnson who can all also go out there and play edge, you know? So it's kind Mm -hmm. of one of those things where it's like, we eventually just need to have the guys out there who are going to help this team win. Again, I'm not, extremely panicked about Carlos and I think he'll end up having an okay year at least you know a decent year but it's a name to watch because if he completely falls off it's like we have enough guys that we, we get the just dogs. Say, let's hold on and keep playing him you know yeah we got the guys all right Teddy your surprise one you hit me you, you, <clears throat> you we made the list and uh, you said Teddy's surprise name and I knew exactly where he was going and I'm pretty sure I am uh, are you gonna bring up our offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett you nailed it. You nailed yeah, it. I knew it. Um, yeah. So, you know, Blake and I decided to play this game. How many games, how long of a leash do we give these players? Um, and I think this Nathaniel Hackett uh, conversation is an important one. Um, because I think when you just look at, at, you know, all the context of this situation, you have a guy who last year was the laughing stock of the league, who was unable to succeed with Russell Wilson in Denver, who was unable to kind of have a functioning offense. And, you know, you know, was one of those one and done coaches, which does happen sometimes it doesn't happen a ton. And when we hired him this year, 
I think, you know, we all immediately pointed to the fact, hey, this is a guy who worked with Aaron Rodgers in his two MVP years. This is a guy who maybe is just more suited to be an offensive coordinator than a head coach. You know, and I bought into that. I drank the Kool-Aid with that. And I do, you know, like the personality of Hackett and, and all that. Um, but now here we are, you know, week three of the of our season. And Aaron Rodgers is no longer the quarterback of this team. We're back with Zach Wilson. And I do think that that shortens the leash, at least in terms of like fan sentiment for Nathaniel Hackett. Um because this is a guy where like when we hired him, we're all going to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt and, um, you know, like hope for the best with him. But similar to Zach Wilson, because of what happened last year, if things continue to look south, the fan base is going to revolt quickly. Um, and, you know, in my opinion, I don't think the play calling has been great. I don't think the personnel packages have been great with what we were hoping to see from this team. Um, and I do think a lot of that comes to like, what was the plan with Aaron Rodgers, And now what should the plan be with Zach Wilson? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I guess the reason I wanted to bring up the name Nathaniel Hackett is because again, with the changing of the guard at the quarterback position with Aaron Rodgers getting hurt, I think that kind of changes the leeway that Hackett Hackett basically would have just been a forgotten guy, you know, like if the offense had succeeded with Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers would have gotten all the credit. If it didn't succeed, Aaron Rodgers would have gotten a lot of the blame, you know, and now it's kind of like everyone's looking to this guy to get something out of Zach Wilson. And what happens if he doesn't get anything? Yeah. Uh, here's here's what I'm saying. He's not going to get fired. You know, there is no leash here. Aaron Rodgers is going to really? be back in 2024, and his offensive coordinator will be Nathaniel Hackett. When Nathaniel Hackett signed in January, we got here on this podcast and we said Aaron Rodgers is probably is is going to be a New York Jet, and it, that was what that was what the domino was. It was he wanted his guy in here at OC. Now, I also did not think the play calling was all that great. Um, I also think that so much went wrong in that game where it's it's tough to it's tough to call a game plan when you have to essentially either run to the right side or pray that Zach Wilson doesn't get sacked in time to throw the football. I'm going to I feel like I'm just making excuses here for him, but you're right. The personnel packaging isn't great. We need to see and, you know, we'll get Ruckert out there more and hopefully that does more for the run game. Hopefully we can get Nicole Hardman out there because I don't get why you would bring in a guy that has a a a very specific trait that can stretch a defense and you don't use him. You know, the snap count, I, I, he hasn't he's barely been out there. It's like he's he, yeah. he hasn't been a piece of this offense. And like you were saying, you know, we've got Uzoma lined up out wide. Why isn't that Nicole Hardman? Um, so there are personnel things that I can definitely get behind here. Um, I also just think that everybody collectively on offense right now is sitting there with like, well, this isn't what we had anticipated right. for the season yeah. and probably more so than, than anyone, the offensive coordinator who is then dialing up the game plan specifically for the quarterback that he has had a close relationship with over the last five years. So um, in terms of how many games, I mean, he's going to last the entire season. Are people yeah, going to love certainly. him if things That's continue really on the point. same yeah. way? If things continue on the same way that they did against the against Dallas, they're really not going to like him. But you know what? He's going to be here next year. He's going to be the offensive coordinator for Aaron Rodgers as he gives this thing another go in 2024. And 
it sucks, but at the same time, you know, we spent two years getting really mad at, at Matt LaFleur or Mike, Mike LaFleur and, uh, and his lack of development with Zach and helping him out. And if we have seen, if we see any bit of stride in terms of uh, performance from Zach Wilson, um, then we can't just say that that's all Aaron Rodgers coming in here and taking a look. We have to give him some credit in there as well, too, as the offensive coordinator trying to figure out what the best game plan for Zach is. So, yes, his is tied directly towards Zach Wilson, and that's why it sucks that the next month is against really good defenses. Um, so it is going to be tough for them. But, um, yeah, I, I, I expect... I expect with with personnel changing for the game plan to execute at a higher clip. Yeah. And, you know, I brought this up, but I am hopeful. You know, I'm more kind of with you where like I, I it's not like I want this guy to get fired and it's not like I'm no. completely giving up on him. Yeah. But as a Jets fan, like I just know kind of how this is going to go down if things don't start to look better. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be kind of the same story with him. They're going to hate Zach Wilson where like people are going to turn fast very quick um i do think this is a good opportunity to jump into this patriots game and kind of get rolling on kind of what we expect to see there because just my like overall number one thought of the game like you know from a fifty thousand point foot view is like i'm just watching this game and i'm just hoping to see adjustments from the coaching staff as a whole that you know gives me some confidence into this Jets team being able to be a competitive team week in and week out, you know, against average NFL teams or any NFL teams, um, you know, and I'm really looking at this offense and obviously there's so much at play here, right? Like we all know what we have in Zach Wilson and we're all hoping that, you know, some of the things he showed last week were improvements, but at the end of the day, we need to see it on a more consistent basis. We need to see a more holistic, successful game out of this guy. Um, the offensive line has been having problems, but we definitely do as we enter this Pats game. I think the number one, you know, the number one complaint this week touches. It's like, okay, hey, Nathaniel Hackett, that's a pretty easy fix. You know, it should be pretty easy for you to be able to get him, you know, 10 plus touches throughout this game. Um, we we want to see, you know, even if it's not like, like maybe McCole Hardman is a similar story to Denzel Mims. And I don't mean that in a way where like he's not successful, but what happened with Denzel Mims was fans wanted to see him. And the Jets staff was just like, Hey, we don't really think he's all that good. And we think our, he's better. We're better when he's not on the field. Maybe that ends up being how they feel about McCole Hardman. Yeah. But it's like, we need to start seeing some production out of this receiver room, you know, and we need to start seeing, some type of functioning offense that is more than just, you know, run the ball, run the ball, throw. And then when you get down, throw, 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 get, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know, you know, obviously get Brees Hall more touches. I don't know exactly what I'm looking for, but I'm just hoping to see some type of adjustments, you know, in the offensive play calling and in kind of like the design and the personnel and maybe some pre-snap motions and things like that, where it does seem we're at least trying to make things slightly easier. And I will say like, we started the game against Dallas. We had a couple rollouts, which I love to see with a guy like Zach Wilson, who, you know, likes to throw on the run and is a, is a inexperienced quarterback to, to a lot of, uh, in a lot of ways. So it's kind of like do those little things that are going to make his life easier. 
Um, and I just want to see more and more of that kind of as we go into this Patriots game. Yeah, you, you have to you have to switch. You it's almost it's it goes hand in hand with making life easier for the offense, but you also have to make life more difficult for the defense. Make the defense work. You know, when you're watching that Sunday night game with Miami and New England, even just the simple fact of just a short motion for Tyreek before a play snaps, the defense is already adjusting and the the snap is a half a second after. So they're like, oh fuck, now the play is going. It wasn't just a full motion. Right. He just ran like five steps and then the play is going and he's off to the races. Make life difficult where the defense has to react to two or three different three things before the snap, because that's a way that you can elevate the play of your below average quarterback is to just already have the defense second guessing themselves before the ball is snapped or as the ball is snapped, they're yeah, already reacting 100%. to three different things. So uh, along, go ahead. Just real quick on that. Like I think when, when a lot of people think about pre-snap motion, the number one thing they think about is, you know, the quarterback's going to be able to see if it's man or zone. Cause in a lot of ways, like mm -hmm. if you Motion someone across motion and the guy running stays back with him, down. it's probably in man. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think like like how many times do you see the running back line up, you know, way out wide, and then they just motion him right back to where a running back should stay? Just do it. You know, and it's like, does that shock the defense every time? No, they probably are somewhat expecting it. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I'm in my alignment. Oh, now we got to shift. Okay, what are they in now? Okay, okay. And then the ball snapped. Like, just that little split second of, like, you know, hesitancy yeah. from the defense could be the difference. And so, it also it also lets you know where they're lining up coverage-wise. Exactly. Right. So it does both things at the same time. Here's another thing. Pass on first down. Just Dude, do it. Pass on first and down. And second down. When it's second and Go 10, ahead. don't run the ball again. Like, <laughs> it, it, we need to stop. This is my thing with Zach Wilson, and, and it's this weird, like, catch-22 where it's like, you don't trust him to throw the ball and we want to run more. So we need to run and we don't want to abandon the run, but it's like, if we want to win games, we need to be able to run an offense. That's not extremely predictable. And we need to be able to exactly. run pass plays. So pass the ball on first down. If you lose four yards on your run play on second down, pass the ball on second down. You know, it's just like, we can't just be this like scared offense. That's just like, we're going to give Zach one chance every three drive, every three downs. And if he doesn't get a first, then we're sending our defense back out there to spend the 47 minutes on the field. You know, like it, it's very reminiscent of like our early ages of watching football. And if for people that are older, they're going to laugh at us when we say it's like the mid two thousands, but in the mid two thousands, there was a few fantastic quarterbacks and a ton of really bad ones. And the really bad ones would run the same offense where it was a first down run. It was a second down run. And yep. then, Hey, hopefully you're close enough where a short third down pass is going to make it work. Meanwhile, you've got Peyton Manning out there who's reading defenses so well that he can pick up on things and and throw on a first down and throw on a second down. Like you have to it, those things. If you can keep the defense guessing, look, Bill Belichick's going to know he's going to watch that Dallas game and say, oh, it's first down. They're probably going to run the football on first and 10. Oh, it's second and 10. Right. They seem like they're going to run and like Bill Belichick. Also, is Bill Belichick that. has probably heard every single person in the world to be like, how does Brees Hall only get four carries? So Bill yep. Belichick's like, Hey, I got a pretty good idea. They're probably going to try to get Brees Hall more involved. You know, first, first play of the game, Nathaniel Hackett, first play of the game, throw the football, just right. start with the throw. And, you know, kind of hand in hand with that, like we need to run an offense where we are forcing the ball to Garrett Wilson, you know, Garrett Wilson yes. had two receptions, <laughs> Yes, last week. Oh. And one of them was a 70-yard house call, you know? And, and, and it's just like, I understand that 
you know, maybe a lot of the blame goes on Zach. And if you look at Garrett Wilson's numbers with Zach and without Zach, it hasn't been that pretty. Something I also noticed, though, is Garrett Wilson's other uh, reception on the day came right after Garrett Wilson and Zach had a conversation on the sideline where it was pretty clear, like Garrett Wilson was like, hey, throw me the ball. And there was another play. I don't think it ended up being a completion, but we came out and there was kind of a similar conversation between Garrett and Zach on the sideline. And first play we threw to Garrett. I think it ended up being a, an incompletion. But so to me, it's just like, we need to be forcing the ball to this guy, like run a slant, run a bubble screen. Bubble screen. You know what I mean? Like, like it's not impossible to get Garrett Wilson four receptions a game. Like, like e- even if you're not the best offensive coordinator in the world, Six. I don't think that should be that hard. Right. I'm saying four. Cause it's like four is baseline. The, four like, is it so should easy not be to get hard for you to say on this play, you're going to throw to Garrett. That's it. Like you should get, like, you should get four bubble screens. Give me yeah, four yeah. bubble screens where I just put a the game. ball in my best playmaker's right. hand. Right, because if or, at the end or, of the day, if you're deficient at the offensive line, I, if your run game isn't there yet, if you have a deficient quarterback, put the ball in your playmaker's hands. Right, right, or run Fuck. a jet sweep to him, or or that little pop pass, or like like get this guy the ball. And obviously, you know, you want to see him have these downfield targets and whatnot. And hopefully, Zach's able to kind of show that. You know, there was a couple close calls in that game. There was the one the one play that has been, um, you know, all over is when Garrett beats his guy to the outside in the end zone yeah. and, and Zach gets tipped. I think that's a pretty funny play too because hit, right it's Demarcus Lawrence that hits his hand he hits the ball yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. and so it ends up being a bad throw I, I do think it's kind of funny that that Zach got the ball tipped and then it's just like man if he didn't get that ball tipped that would have been a a dot you know and like hopefully it would have been but it's also like yeah maybe well that's the thing you see him yeah. if you, do you read his lips when he's running off the yeah. field after, that would have that's been a, a t- that was touchdown. a touchdown it's a fucking touchdown which i do i mean the the play he had at the end of the game that throw he had on the run that ended up being you know he, uh, the receiver didn't a get two feet in you know that was a dart. like we know zach wilson Ooh, can throw the ball deep with some beautiful. type of accuracy you know so that was a pretty pass that's my thing is like it, it to me, this it shouldn't be hard for um, Hackett to get back in the good graces because really the he's got to give the ball to Brees Hall more, and they just got to be able to throw the ball more effectively. And I think a lot of that is just forcing the ball into um, Garrett Wilson's hands, but also like, hey, Alan Lazard is you know was a lot of people's top wide receiver free agent this year and has proven to be a very solid NFL wide receiver get him the ball a few times, you know, like, like we bring up, um, McCole Hardman who can run jet sweeps, who can catch a ball short and potentially take it to the house, who can run a go route and potentially beat his guy. You know, you bring up Tyler Conklin, you bring up Brees Hall and down, like there's all these weapons on this team that you don't have, like, we can't just run oh, it's this Nathaniel Hackett offense that Aaron Rodgers would have been perfect at where he was going to go up to the line every play and we were all going to stand in the exact spots while Aaron dissects the defense and then decides what play we're going to run or what route to tell Garrett to run. You know, like that's not the offense we're going to be running anymore. So when we come into this Patriots game, we really need to see like some type of adjustment of like, let's try to make, let's try to just get the ball rolling a little bit, you know? And I think that's the main thing I'm looking for with Nathaniel Hackett here. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, it, but the, the the downside comes into is that this is Bill Belichick, and this defense mm-hmm. is 
is very, very good again. You know, at all and three complex. levels. They, That's they what's drafted tough about Bill Belichick. Even their first round pick this year already looks great in Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon. You know, sometimes these players always fall to New England and you're just like, why are we letting the some of the best positional players on defense just fall to this guy here? He falls to like 15 when he yeah. should have been a top New England and pick. Baltimore are just the two teams where it's happens. like oh my God. any defensive Kyle player Hamilton. is just probably really good. Yep, you know? Exactly. Yep. So you've got that situation as well, too, where it's like this one, so it's also a very good defense. It maybe doesn't have the the Micah Parsons best defensive player in the world, but Matthew Judon is a great edge rusher. They're big up front. Um, is he going to be wearing those red sleeves? I hate those fucking things. He's probably. So probably will be wearing them. He's so scary. <laughs> <terrifying>. <laughs> yeah, Matthew oh, Judon's funny. a hell of a player. Now, on the flip side, the Jets defense should just, like, smoke the Patriots offense. It really should. It's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um I was going to say earlier, like the it, the Patriots the past two years have been this like weird team for the Jets because we don't really match up well because it's like we both have bad offenses and both have good defenses, you know, so we both match up well on one side of the ball and then don't on the other, right. um, you know, it has the makings for a potential 10 to three game, you know, the, the total is set at 36 <laughs> and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So... I will be taking the under. Yeah, but but you know when you look at what the Cowboys were able to do, the Cowboys do just have a lot more star power on their team. They have a much better offensive line. They have much better receivers. They have you know much more explosive running back in in a Tony Pollard. Not that Ramondre is not good. Ramondre is very good. Yeah, obviously the better quarterback as well. Um, fuck Mac Jones. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, for the Jets defensively, I think we want to see the defensive line, you know, be dominant again and not kind of get pushed around. And we just want to see them have the ability to get off the field. You know, hopefully Bill Belichick isn't going to be able to just dink and dunk the way that Dak Prescott did, because hopefully we're able to make some of those adjustments. Right. I mean, that is going to be their game plan. They are going to be the short passing game that entire day. Yeah. The the thing that it holds through is, in, and it's going to be catching New England now, and hopefully it's as good as you know, for the Jets as it was for the Dolphins last week, their entire offensive line is in shambles right now. You know, even injury reports, it's Wednesday when we're taping this. So Trent Brown's still dealing with concussion. He was a limited participant in practice. So he is on a, on his way to being back as a starting tackle. But Mike Unwenu uh, dealing with an ankle injury. City uh, City So, another guard there dealing with a concussion. And Cole Strange, the guy out of uh, Chattanooga, um, mm-hmm. he is also dealing with a knee issue. So, I mean, there you're talking four offensive linemen um, that are dealing with injuries. Devontae Parker, the team's number one wide receiver, was limited today as well, too, with a knee injury. So there is a chance that the Patriots are walking into this again with a really bashed up offensive line. And, and you know, they don't have a ton of receiving options as it already is. And Devontae Parker being probably their number one might not even be ready to go game time. So, I just the the world of of a ten to three game. This is just, I mean, it, it speaks true, more yeah. more true than I ever, mean. Hopefully, we we're able it. to score more than three points. That was the reason. That's what killed Zach Wilson. Yeah. Um, I did have one more thing with the Jets defense while we're here as well, too, because uh, Sauce Gardner did go and ask the Jets coaching staff if he could travel around with the team's Dude, best receiving option. We are Bring so. And I was literally just about to ask you this. We are yeah. we are so in lockstep. We're synced. Our periods are syncing up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so basically the big story of last week, 
you know, obviously CD lamb goes off for like, I think like 140 yards, 11 or 12 receptions, something like that. Um, but then, you know, as people kind of dissect the film, I think like one or maybe zero of the catches were when sauce Gardner was in man coverage with him or, or, or not man coverage, but was the closest defender on the play. Um, you know, the CD lamb lines up in the slot a ton. Cowboys moved him around a lot and sauce Gardner didn't follow him. Um, Robert Sala has continuously been kind of against that vocally. You know, he prefers have this guy on one side, have the other guy on the other side. They always know their assignments. It's always consistent. I do think there's not as big of a drop off between DJ Reed and sauce Gardner as maybe some people believe. Um, so that is an interesting thought because obviously like part of you does say like, well, what if sauce had shadowed CD the whole game, but then that obviously does come with the idea of like, well, then you're going to have Michael Carter changing his alignment and his roles. And, and you're going to have, you know, the DJ Reed changing his alignment and his roles and the safeties and all that. Um, so I do want to get your takes on that generally, but also I do just want to throw in that, the Patriots with, you know, Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, Keyshawn Booty. Is that his first name? Yeah, you Keyshawn, could throw him Keyshawn. in there. Yeah, you could. Um, he's been a starter this year. Don't get it yeah, tested. No, yeah, for um, sure. <laughs> uh, and then I think they have Tyquan Thornton as their fourth guy. Um, to me, this isn't the week to implement that like no. i don't need sauce following Devonte parker or juju around the field um so for this week i would say i'd prefer that not to happen um so what do you think about that for this week and just in general for the rest of the season with sauce potentially shadowing i think it sounds nice but he's not going to do it sal is not going to bend no. out of his defensive system i just said and he even echoed those thoughts yesterday he's like we don't we run zone and dime packages on defense and no man coverage. So in most cases, sauce is not going to cover the top receiver or move around the field like CD lamb did. You know, I think that's just, that's, that's his staple. And and we can go into, you know, is that stubborn of a coach to not change his system to best fit his players? You know, that's a argument that I have with a lot of coaches around this league, but I think I, I tend to lean more on the, with the offense. I side with the players more than I do defensively, just because look, yeah, CD, CD lamb diced up, you know, they they found the weak points and the, the buttons to push against the Jets defense to just, you know, slowly manage their way down the field. And look, there are going to be other teams, but like, let's look ahead the rest of the schedule. New England, you're not doing that because there's not any one specific player that really scares you there. In Kansas City, are you going to put Sauce Gardner and have him travel, you know, with, with Travis Kelsey? Probably not. I wouldn't assume. Right, like maybe certain plays, I wouldn't hate to see Sauce line up on Travis Kelsey, but I, I don't. But they just don't run man. Expect... They don't run man. Right, right. And, and and then and then okay, well then you take a look at Philadelphia. Okay, well they've got two guys. They've got AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. So at at one point, you know those guys will be lining up opposite on the side of the field. Like there's very few situations where a team has a lone star wide receiver where you could say, okay, we'll just go to man, you know, somewhat frequently, you know, on on key third down situations, but. I just think from the staple of what Sala has built defensively going back to Jacksonville, to San Francisco, to what the defense has been this year, like, yeah, we can get mad that CeeDee Lamb tore apart this Jets defense. This Jets defense is still a top three, probably still the best unit in all of football. So, like, DJ Reed isn't a bad cornerback, uh, too, and I get there's a difference in between playing soft zones and dime packages versus playing man, but 
I just, I, I don't, one, see Sala changing it, and two, I think that we are nitpicking the Jets' defense just a little yeah. bit when they have they have given us no reason to have any real harsh criticism. Like, we talked about this on the Sunday night pod after the game. You know, I think a lot of people were upset with the defensive performance. I didn't have any blame toward them as, at all throughout that game. Yeah. Like, I thought they were on the field way too often. I thought they did a great job in the red zone at get holding the team, to, holding the Cowboys offense to field goals. Like, yeah, CeeDee Lamb worked his way up and down the field. It's going to happen. He's one of the best wide receivers in football, and you're a team that runs zone. So if you find a way to manipulate that zone, you know, the offense is going to take advantage of it. But I just... I think it's great that he's, you know, Sauce is one of the best corners. And when he's matched up against a top wide receiver, that top wide receiver doesn't do well. That's just the name of the game. The rest of the defense needs to do its job. And and I think it will for the most part this year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I agree with you. I, um, you know, if you're gonna discredit anything they did last week, I think you can point to the third downs and like not being able to get off the field, but there was just also so many times where, you know, in the red zone, in short yardage, they were getting those stops. Right. Um, and I just also think like we have a full season of Robert Sala running this offense with sauce and, or excuse me, running this defense with sauce and DJ Reed and not having sauce shadow, you know, teams, number one receivers and us being able to be, you know, a top three uh, defense in this league. So one game against the Cowboys, I'm not going to completely change our entire defensive strategy because of that, you know, after we've shown, you know, through one game this year and all of the games last year that we're pretty yeah. solid. We have a year plus the, of of resume here where this defense yeah. is lights out the way it is. And I think that if we want to, we, I think we're nitpicking at the defense because we know that they need to be essentially perfect for this jet season to have the life that we once wanted it to have with Aaron Rodgers under center. But we can't reflect that blame on the defense. Like they are doing all they can and some more to keep this team, you know, in contention here. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing I do want to bring up about this defense and just kind of, I guess, what we can expect from this Patriots offense. Um, because when you look at this Patriots offense, they're currently leading the league in pass attempts. Um, I think it's funny. Because that's the Mac exact Jones opposite had, of what they built this this whole dynasty on at first. It right, was just not like, what run, you would run, expect run, run, run. from a Patriots team. But, you know, week one, uh, Mac had 54 pass attempts. I think last week he had 42. Um, as Blake pointed out when we were talking before this uh, pod started, they have gotten down early in games, so that could be a reason that they've passed so much. Um, but I guess just what do you expect from this Patriots offense do you expect it to be pass happy you know teams don't have a lot of success running the ball against the jets tony pollard obviously had his plays eventually as the uh jets defense was getting gas last week but for a while you know the cowboys weren't really able to run the ball and most of their success was in the short passing game um so i guess what do you expect you know from this bill obviously not bill belichick led offense but you know, you know, he's going to be kind of involved in those discussions and how to kind of catch the Jets very, up hard and whatnot. Very do you think involved. it will be a, a run heavy attack, a passing attack? What, where, where do you think here? I think I think the the leading the pass attempts so far this season is very situational. You know, they get down a quick two touchdowns to Philadelphia. They're basically trailing the entire game. You're going to have to pass the football um, kind of like 
you know, what we saw with the Jets and the Cowboys this past week. They're down mm-hmm. and, and they had to start throwing the football. Um, in the Miami game, I think they know and they look at Miami's offense and they say, we're going to need to throw the ball a lot to put up points because Miami is not going to stop putting up points. And that didn't work for them as well, too. They kept things close. I think they're going to look at this game just as the Cowboys did where, you know, yes, they threw the ball a decent amount, but they still gave their rush attempts. And I think they're just going to have the same mindset as Dallas did, where it's a very traditional conservative we just need to get to 17 points. I think yeah. that's going to be their game plan. So no, I don't expect them the ball. Exactly. The game. Yep. Yep. You know that you're going to be able to get quick three and outs defensively. So let's keep long sustained drives here where we're really just wearing out the defense in the first half. And hopefully by the third quarter, we can really start to pound them in the run game. So I wouldn't expect them to throw up the 48 pass attempts. We've seen them do so far this season. Um, I do think it will be a lot of that dink and dunk that we saw. Like, look, the, that's that's the game plan of beating the Jets right now. It'd be one thing if Aaron Rodgers was at quarterback and the Jets were putting up 24-plus points a game. The game plan to go up against this team would be very different. But it's it's the 2022 yeah. Jets. And it also has just – yeah. We haven't, like, changed the way we run our defense. You know, we run the same defense as the Bills, you know, where, where we're saying – we couldn't throw downfield. Like we, we run a too high shell. We yep. drop, let me do quick math, seven guys. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we usually don't blitz. We have our four man rush that usually is successful in getting at least applying pressure to the quarterback. And we drop seven guys in zone, you know? So that is the recipe against the jets. And, you know, we try not to allow any of the deep passes. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that makes sense, but I do think, you know, like, Ramondre is probably the best player offensively for the Patriots, the most dynamic, the most explosive. Um, So being able to shut down the run game, I think will be a huge key. It's something we've been able to succeed at. Um, But I do think that, you know, will be a major advantage to us if we can kind of just shut that down early and often. Yeah, I think the Patriots have shown, um, especially the last few years in the post-Brady era, how they manage their offense on a very game-by-game basis. I mean, if you remember Mm -hmm. that game when – I don't know. It was it was freezing temperatures up in Buffalo, and they passed the ball like three times. I'm trying to remember. I do remember. Do you remember yeah, that they game? Just ran and ran and ran. They knew it was it's last gonna... year. It was last year. I thought it might. I have been think two Bills patch. It, it it could have been. It was within the last couple of years, but you know th- this is very Bill is very situational where it's like you know he you know some coaches run the scheme and have their players have to fit into the scheme. Some coaches run a scheme that best fits their players. Bill essentially runs the scheme that is best for this next upcoming opponent. And for right. the jets, you got to get to 17 points. Essentially. It was the story last year. It's still the story this year. If you can get to 17, you're fine. And if that just takes a couple of long sustained drives, um, and then maybe you're settling for a bunch of field goals. So be it because it's, you know, defensively, you still have faith that the jets offense isn't going to be able to match. Yeah. I'm not going to take this bet, but uh, that does make me wonder what Juju Smith Schuster's over under is on receptions. I'll pull because it up right like now for three you. and a half. Um, he is that kind of like short yardage guy. You know, he runs routes very close to the line of scrimmage. He lines up in the slot a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if he has, you know, five, six, seven receptions this game, just because that's the offense that they're probably going to run. Same with maybe Ramondre receptions. I would kind of look to because I think they'll they'll have those screen passes and whatnot. They don't have receptions up yet, and they honestly don't have any numbers for Juju Smith-Schuster because, you know. Because he's Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah. Um, 
my real last thought while we're talking about this Jets defense, and I will preface this by saying I don't know it. Like this isn't really like a a, a really smart analytical football thing that I'm gonna say, but just based on like vibes and like what I'm thinking, I would kind of like to see the Jets throw in some blitz packages um, in this game, just because I think it would potentially be surprising to, to Bill Belichick and to this offense, you know, like we very much don't blitz a lot. We did against the bills a little, um, but it, you know, like I said, we're very much a like rush with four and then just trust your defense to bend that break type of team. I would like to see, you know, throw in, try to, you try to be one up one step ahead of Bill Belichick instead of the other way around. Yeah, no, that's a very fair point. It reminded me because Scott texted in our Dr. Locks group chat a couple of days ago, um, Mac Jones numbers under pressure last year compared to this year, and it has been pretty good so far this year. So that would be one oh, thing where okay. I think he is doing a little maybe. bit better with this Bill O'Brien offense. Maybe maybe you don't want to. His PFF grade is fifth best in the NFL under pressure so far yeah, this year. I told year. you I didn't think about the analytics. <laughs> yeah, there was no number, but no, but that's, but I think also as well too, there are a lot of expected blitzes versus being a team like Vic Fangio in Miami has been very just like frantic, like let's get, let's just, you know, once a drive, let's try and yeah, get yeah, to the yeah. quarterback there. So if you're Robert Sala and you're always just rushing for that element of surprise is a little bit different than, you know, saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to average, yeah. you know, one blitz per drive. It does also depend like if we're winning a lot and have a couple sacks through the first and but when I say winning, I mean like if the defensive line is is winning their one-on-one matchups and getting to Mac Jones, then maybe you don't need to throw in those blitzes. But if all of a sudden, you know, we're in the second, third quarter and we don't have a lot of sacks, don't have a lot of QB pressures, I wouldn't mind um throwing something in there. I do also think we buried the lead a little bit. The Jets are playing the Patriots. The Jets haven't beat the Patriots in seven years. They're 0-14 in the last 14 games. This is part of the reason why this game means so much to me. Because again, as I said at the beginning of the podcast. If we were any other team in the league, I wouldn't be frightened of the Patriots. I don't think the Patriots are an elite team anymore. I think they're middle of the road team. But, you know, even last year when the Jets had a pretty good roster, we were not able to get over this Patriots hump. Winning this game this week would be everything to me. So are they going to do it? Give me your prediction. I do think they're going to do it. Um, like I always do. I think that I'm looking at this very much, you know, and I hate to like do like, you know, the excuses and whatnot, but I think the Cowboys are one of the best teams in the league. I think Michael Parsons is currently the best defensive player in the league. Um, So, yeah, I think the Jets are going to be able to get this done. And I think a lot of it hinges on like, is Zach Wilson able to just not make those mistakes? You know, if he has a three, four turnover game, we probably will lose. But if he's able to kind of limit those and just be able to move the offense, I do think we'll be able to run the ball well. I do think we'll be able to shut down their offense similar to what we did last year. And I think we're going to get out of here with like a real ugly, you know, 16 to nine win. Yeah. I was going to say 17 to 10, but I decided to make it uglier. Yeah, I was about to do, I was going to do an ugly score as well, too. Um, So I was going to pick the Jets to win. And then I was looking through it and I was like, am I going to pick the New England Patriots to start the season 0 and 3? They were one and one. I think I'd lean the Jets here, but like, I just don't see the, the Patriots starting the season 0 and 3. Like, they, they haven't started 0 and 2 since like almost before the Tom Brady. 2001. Era. Yeah. Like, and they won right the Super at the Bowl beginning. That year. Like, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> so, that's how long it's been since they started 0 and 2 and 0 and 3. You're just like, holy shit. So, um, I'm going to pick the Patriots to win. 
Here's what I'm going to do, because I'm going to give credit to the Jets defense. Ready? This is the final score prediction. 15 to 10. Five field goals for New England. The Jets score the lone touchdown of the day. We come out of this saying, hey, Zach Wilson outperformed Mac Jones. Uh, Well, no, I guess. I don't know. If the Jets score 10 points. I don't think the story is going to be that Zach Wilson outperformed anybody. Um, 15 15 to 10 New England. So for anyone knows Blake and I's history of our picks, and I guess like recently we haven't done as bad, but when we first started this podcast, we would always be pretty far off. So I'm thinking maybe this will be like a 32, 30 game. Just fucking light it up. That would be awesome. I would love it. Are you kidding me? I'm so tired of so tired of watching the Jets score between 10 and 15 points. Yeah, literally. Like all I'm dying for, like if we lost 30 to 32, it would suck that we lost, but it would at least give you some hope around this offense. You know what I mean? Like it just I'm dying for this Jets offense to show some life. We were all so excited about what adding a Hall of Fame quarterback would do. And now we're right back here with Zach Wilson, you know, and, and, you know, like I said before, if Zach Wilson, we can all try to point to the little, little things that seem positive, but at the end of the day, like it has to just be good enough to get wins, be good enough. So your stats aren't 12 for 27 for 170 yards, you know, like we need to see big strides from him. And even if that's just not throwing three interceptions and helping lead us to an ugly win, that will be something. How many times a day do you still think about the Rogers injury? I I try to black it out, honestly. Yeah, I think about like it I was texting my brother earlier, and I almost like said like, and then Rogers tore his Achilles, and I just didn't send the text. I just deleted. I was like, it's, I'm not gonna. It's gonna be one of those. I think I, about I it mean, daily. I guess it will. I think about the Jets. Yeah. It it will be it'll be one of those things that will be sitting you know sixty five years old just shooting yeah. shit like it's one of those sports like you know obviously I think the Jets fans all had the same feeling you know if you're older than us with the test of Verdi but almost like you know this is this I is understand like... that comparison because we had we added a lot of talent that season and whatnot and you were excited but it's like at least you got to see Test of Verdi the year before you got take an, us AFC to an AFC title championship. Game. Yeah. Like uh, Yeah, that's a good point. The fact that we're sitting here This will live and, on forever. Right. This like will be, this is like if, a true staple of Jets franchise history. Like this yeah. will not go. And if away. Aaron Rodgers plays next year, it will be, you know, it won't be as bad. But like as it stands right now, like if we just had the six months that we had, starting with the Pat McAfee show, you know, into the deal getting done, into minicamp, into the summer of content with I don't know why my camera looks like this. Sorry. <laughs> I want to use into, that as the screen grab for you to into the summer Those of content. See it, but yeah, his face like, is just it's like I'm, out. <laughs> I'm a Jets fan and I'm I'm I like don't want anyone to know my identity because I'm embarrassed. <laughs> so I, I blurred out my face. Um that's the screen but yeah, grab it's, for the YouTube. It's channel. one of those things. But I think it's time that we uh get out of here. Yeah. All right. So you did 16 to nine. I did 15 10. So I guess if anybody's listening, hammer that under a 36 and a half. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we will potentially be coming to you back on Monday of next week. Um, I'm going to be out of town this weekend at a music festival, so we won't have a post-game Pats-Jets recap, but we'll be sure to either recap it on Monday or just loop it all into a Wednesday pod like we did last year. 
So that'll be coming up next. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter again at NYJ underscore chasing 69. Same as the YouTube channel. We appreciate you guys being interactive with us on Twitter. It's very fun. It's nice in year two of this to just have some people engaging, replying, liking. So thank you all for that. Uh, Teddy is at Teddy Huncho. I'm at Spring Blake. We appreciate you. We love you. And we'll talk to you next week. Peace.